Welcome to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. I'm your host, Darren Long, and with me today on the show is Jeremy Wiseman, Vice President of Guildhall Wealth Management. You know the website. It is guildhallwealth.com. We'll throw that during the show. And there is a lot of details uh, in terms of what's happening in the news this week. We are happy to, of course, report that it was a busy week, and we want to welcome everybody to the fold that decided to make a purchase this week, decided to come in and speak with us and get uh, started in their journey in the ownership of physical gold, physical silver. It's what we do here. If you're new to the show, we welcome you as a listener. And uh, the world continues to rally on these false hopes and uh, ideas that there's continued growth. And just this week, the FOMC in the U.S. did their weekly, monthly meeting and they are talking about some things that relate to gold and silver. We're going to share that with you during the show. We thought it would be important to also talk a little bit about what the rich are doing. We love talking about that because that gives us some sense of uh, direction, how they protect their wealth, what they think is important to them, and a little bit about things other than gold and silver, the top 10 uh, non-financial assets, shall we say, that uh, the world the richest in the world are buying. And the whole idea is, listen, follow the smart money. That's where we're heading with this. And we'll have that. We've got a, a, a new author that were not new to us, but certainly new to our listening audience. His name is Simon Black from SovereignMan.com. And it turns out this week he did a tremendous bunch of writing that we want to highlight uh, as it relates to the world economy and the situation we find ourselves in. And it lends itself well to the notion that you should, as a listener, have something put aside to protect your wealth, some insurance plan. And that's what we talk about on the show. That is physical bullion, natural fancy colored diamonds. Maybe you package it all together. We'll share some information about all of that uh, during this week's show. Jeremy, welcome to the show. It's uh, good to be able to get back to it this week and talk about the week that was. And as we said right off the top, uh, the FOMC minutes, the policymakers, if you will, met this week. The bankers, the central bankers of the U.S., they met this week. And uh, on the 10th, they produced the minutes when they discussed the economy direction and give some sense of what they're thinking. And um, the theme for this FOMC uh, meeting, as far as I'm concerned, is one, it is how do we revert back to understanding what uh, the reality is that we are faced now instead of telling people like we did last year that economy is good, it's growing, expect there to be interest rate rises. We knew there wouldn't be. We said it on this very show. You've talked at length about it, and I'm excited to say it's a pat on the back, but you're right 100% uh, on this particular topic. And for those that don't know, the FOMC is just the Federal Open Market Committee. It's where all the central bankers meet once a month and discuss the economy and shed some light on uh, their uh, expectations for interest rates and what the economy is doing uh, by way of the data that's being put through the system. So that's important. We talk about it all the time. Uh, these policymakers, uh, they they are touting that they saw continued U.S. economic growth. I have no idea where it's coming from. They reported strong labor market and inflation near their objective uh, as the most likely outcome for the next few years. So they're looking into the future and they're saying, hey, inflation's in check. 
no concerns really there and we're foreseeing good strong labor growth so that should mean we see career positions growing right the people that are able to stay in one or maybe two careers all their lives that whole thing should be growing we should see our income grow our wage in grow uh, be growing and continue to grow uh, but the fact is jeremy i think more often than not what people are realizing now is that if they buy that line of reasoning the idea of having some insurance for your wealth is becoming probably one of the most important concepts moving forward. So that's why we're saying congratulations to people that come aboard because this is the overwhelming theme of people walking through our doors. They're saying, what are you guys talking about? Share with me what you mean about insurance for your wealth. And uh, this is a lot of fun to do. So let's start there kind of looking at these minutes and and saying, hey, what are people thinking? Sure. I think that um, the FOMC, which is the Fed getting together and and talking about what the the points that they're seeing is all about a narrative. And do we buy the narrative? And for us, we enjoy it because we go through, we, we try to read between the lines and also see what they're looking at in terms of a bigger picture and sort of reading the tea leaves of what they're doing. So, you know, it's... it's Yeah, they're smoking tea leaves. Well, it's important in some ways to not take everything that they're talking about purely at face value because, you know, when when it it only takes a couple articles from Simon Black to go, well, wait a minute, I call BS on on all of this Mm, stuff. For sure. Um, You know, I was listening to um, a a great interview this past week and I I picked up the book um, from William L. Silber. He's a professor at NYU has a PhD from Princeton in economics, and he just wrote a book on the story of silver. And this is a guy who is absolutely convinced that it's great that there's central banks controlling the the money supply and whatnot, but uh, it is an experiment, and they're going to need precious metals in case it doesn't work. And Mm. you're going to need precious metals in case it doesn't work. Do as they do. Yeah, do as they do. Um, So let's go through some of these... uh, these points and see our interpretation of them. Well, first point is that they are looking at interest rates uh, remaining steady throughout this year. So throw out the idea that interest rates are going higher. And remember, interest rates going higher are one of the key indications of a growing economy. Of course, if you want to control the money supply, it's getting a little bit rampant because people have more of it and they're spending more and you're growing the economy, we'll put the interest rates up a little bit. Of course, that quells that growth and keeps that speed in check not going to happen remain steady so in other words i translate that in uh, easing is coming we just don't want to say it in other words we'll say that rates are staying where they are for now we're still looking at the big global picture just going big from, line of bs going from green light to yellow light means that a red light's coming oh that's for sure so no more no more rate hikes and we know that that um you know, is is uh, mirrored by what's happening in Europe, right? That in Europe, they're remaining at negative interest rates. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get people to take the money out and put it into the economy to spend it when they might not even be in a position to do so. It's sort of similar to um, what you're seeing across the board in, in North America, for instance, is uh, I look at clothes. We used to live in a, a throw-away-all-your-clothes kind of economy, right? Uh, the H&Ms of the world where you just go, you buy something, an outfit for a weekend or for a couple months, and you know you're going to get rid of it. And now I think people are thinking twice about getting rid of their Nikes and saying, well, maybe I can't buy a pair of $150, $170 pairs of shoes every three months. Yeah, man, I saw people lining up just last week to pay 
gobs of money camping out. And I mean, this is the signs, the warning signs that should tell you these people aren't paying cash. Just throw it on a credit card, throw it on, you know, somebody else's debt and we'll worry about it later. Paying three, $400 for a pair of shoes. Let's come back to reality here for a moment. Well, personal debt in Canada is skyrocketing. It's never right been now. history. What did we learn? Nothing. I mean, let's, let's make sense of this, right? The people coming to buy gold and silver, they're finding out that they're making sense of their wealth, that they're actually establishing a connection, a bond, if you will, with the importance of understanding that wealth. They're self-directing their future for the first time, and they can do that. That's important. But Oh, my gosh, Darren, we digressed. Let's we go, digress. Let's continue. <laughs> I know, but I'm passionate about yeah. it. I want to talk about it. So they also say, uh, right after saying that U.S. economic growth is decent, there's a strong labor market, the very next point, the majority of policymakers said the Fed's patient approach on rates is needed given uncertainties, including those around global economy and financial developments. You can't How, have it both ways. I, I love that one, patience. How patient do you have to be? You might not be in a position to raise rates for another 30, 40 years. Right? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, even... even uh, um, what what's his what's Trump's economic advisor used to be on CNBC? Oh, Larry Kudlow. Uh, Larry Kudlow is. I think he was just quoted this past week saying he won't see um, high interest rates for his lifetime. I mean, he's he's a bit older now, but still, it's one of those things where where you if you can admit the quandary that you're in, that ultimately the economy isn't doing that well, you're not in a position to raise rates, and you might not be in a position to raise rates for some time. And then right in the next breath, as soon as they say that, remember, they say economic growth, not bad, pretty good, strong labor market in the U.S., and, and inflation near the Fed's objective. Then they say, hey, we're uncertain, and that patient approach is necessary because global growth might be less than we expected. And right after that, some policy th makers thought a modest hike in rates could be warranted later this year. So talk about the flim-flam of the way they're approaching this. Late, late in the year, we're going to say, you know, in the first third of the year, we're going to say, hey, trust us. By end of year, things could get much better. Could be an expanding economy. Or maybe maybe they're doing... What, Just believe us. Maybe they're doing what we've seen in markets in the past too. You know, a, a Fed that, you know, they're trying to talk a good game, but they're scared witless. And what do you do when you see a, a, Mack, truck, a Mack truck coming your way? You do nothing. You're a deer in headlights. So they sit, they sit there and go, we're not going to do anything. We'll just patiently wait and see what happens. And we've seen that, that happen to, to people in the markets, Darren. When a market's going down very quickly, they elect to do nothing, and it doesn't go well. Well, that's right? just it, right? I mean, sometimes you don't want to do. Sometimes you don't want to just do things for the sake of doing things because that can be a mistake. But sometimes just watching and doing nothing. Well, their hands are tied. They <laughs> right? they can do nothing. There are two sides of evil, and that's all there is. There's the evil of higher interest rates, which kills a ton of people over there, especially the domestic investors, the homeowners, all the business builders. That They're or so there's the low interest rates, which encourage more debt. They're so independent thinking that they're that they're doing exactly what Kudlow has, has hey, talked about. Well, sure. And this idea of them asking Kudlow and, and Trump saying they should lower it 50 basis points, I actually think that that's genius on their part because when the Fed actually has to do it, they're going to be able to say, well, we said they should have done it a year ago. Well, who right? knows whether they will or not. And, and at the end of the day, the, how do you get the economy going more? don't wait for a crisis to drop the rates just do it and keep it going so the the thing is is that is part of their trap is that 
they're so trapped in tra they can't raise it any further. And it just demonstrates over and over again that the economy there is not that good. And when we talk about <laughs> Simon Black's uh, observations, you're going to see that that's, that is the case. Well, when we come back, we will do just that, bring up those Simon Black articles and talk a little bit about the characterization of how he sees the economy. And we will spend a little bit uh, of more additional time on the silver market. In particular, the Silver Institute came out with its yearly update. Just a couple of quick points on that that we want to bring to your attention. We'll talk about the product of the week. It's uh, going to be a very exciting product, and I'm happy to say we have it in stock and ready for you. So listen and stay tuned in. That and much, much more. You are listening to The Real Money Show. The website is guildhallwealth.com. I want you to go there. I want you to get yourself a package of information. It is free. What have you got to lose? It's free. There's no obligation to you. Go over to that website, guildhallwealth.com. Get yourself a free investor package or set up a time to speak with somebody here at Guildhall. We will walk you through this process, give you your options, and uh, before you know it, you yourself will be holding some of this incredible uh, insured asset quality asset it is storable you can keep this wealth at home or you can put it in a depository and there's lots of opportunity for you to get into this market now while the going is still good so we're going to talk about that and much much more you are listening to the real money show with guildhall wealth management on global news radio 640 toronto Thanks for staying tuned. You are listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management and the website where you can go and find out more about real money, that is gold and silver, physical gold and silver, is guildhallwealth.com. Before we went to break, I promised the listeners, Jeremy, that we would cover a couple more points on the FOMC minutes, which is the Federal Open Market Committee, when all the bigwigs of the central bank as a whole, all the Federal Reserve bankers meet once a month, they produce these minutes and we went through a few of them. And if you're a new listener, this should not uh, come as a surprise to you, but the baloney is just growing and growing by the day. If you're already a listener of the show, you already read between the lines, and it's why you love gold and silver, uh, because it does protect your wealth over the long term. I want to bring up a quick point before we move on to something a little more fun. Uh, this flim-flam back and forth throughout the entire session of minutes when they reproduce this, and the way they word it, the vocabulary they use, they can't say this, you can't say that, you don't want to be too certain about this. Well, the idea here is that it's a bunch of, of, of baloney and that some type of easing and the increased debt is the only outcome going forward. It is the only choice they have. But to finish this up, several policymakers, they expressed concern about uncertainty of Brexit. And now that in and of itself isn't something we've talked about a lot on this show, but it is it, and does relate heavily to the theme of uncertainty globally. And we're going to talk about that in a minute because what we have in front of us to kind of get to here is what the rich are doing. And this is not an article we got from Canada or the U.S., but the reason I bring up that last point in the FOMC minutes is because I think it's even more important to understand the rest of the world is not functioning properly. It is not talking about how do we uh, get to that next stage of growth. It's talking about how do we just survive tomorrow? You know, how do we make it through that night? But the difference between what 
they're doing and what is being told here paints two different pictures. So there's there's mixed signals, right? Totally. There's this mixed signal of you've got trade wars, tariffs, you've got threats of trade wars and tariffs, you've got you've got the Brexit trying to happen, um, you've got um, you know, China and the issues, U.S. China and the U.S. You've got issues in the oil market with OPEC. They want to get they want to uh, cast out uh, the U.S. And, and things like that. So. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, and, uh, and we have to be honest with ourselves. That type of uncertainty happens when the money starts running out or when the options start running out and things start to get heated in, in terms of the temperature between relationships. And so I think that that's sort of where we're looking at the geopolitical side of things, which is one of the reasons why you want to own precious metals is to hedge against geopolitical risk. And you see that geopolitical risk happening when – economics start to start to play a role in a negative way you know it's as as my dad always says when money stops coming through the door love flies out the window Ain't that it's, the truth. it's the truth in marriages and it's also the truth in in foreign policy um, but gold and silver are one way to hedge your portfolio and hedge those type of risks let's look at what some of the rich also do with their money to protect their wealth well we bring this up for a very important reason because these are the types of things that we should be doing with our money to become rich. And this is an article which comes, believe it or not, out of Kenya. It is an article that was posted all over the world. In particular, I read it first through a Kenyan website called kenyans.co.ke. And essentially, it is what the super rich are doing with their money outside of their financial assets. So outside of things like gold and silver stocks, traditional markets and all that stuff, what are they doing? Well, there's a list of things here, and I'm not going to highlight all of them. The very first one was rare whiskey. They're investing in rare whiskey, and we've talked about art, and we've talked, of course, about natural fancy colored diamonds. There's, a, there's, a, there's growing populations, growing, growing rich out there, and a limited supply of whiskey, so that makes sense. And they say that this particular category represented the, the highest amount of growth of a non-financial related asset. So in collectibles in the year 2018, rare whiskey is one of the highest uh, net gainers and they go down the list. It includes rare coins. We've talked to you about numismatics. Not big fans here on our end simply because to get your hands on really rare coins, you've got to be delving into a world which requires an extreme amount of expertise. Yeah, it's a so different market. We altogether. recommend against it. You know, as far as recommendations are concerned, we're allowed to say that. Um, there's wine on the list, of course, and art, which we've talked about and you know a whole lot about watches, classical cars, we're going through furniture, and then all of a sudden, what's on the list at number eight? Was it all of a sudden, though, Darren? Not really. When we were looking through the list, we were like, where is it? Where, where is, is it? it? Where, where is, is it? it? And there it was. Well, position eight was natural fancy colored diamonds, which have registered overall. Every color, every type of forces, and all the settings and the imperfections of diamonds we don't deal with, listed on this as being... Uh, over the last 10 years, 122% higher. So every type of color and every type of diamond, and they chose to highlight a pink diamond. Now, we talked about it through the year. It's the Winston Pink Legacy. It's a big 19-carat, fancy, vivid pink, which sold for a whole lot of money in the millions and millions and millions. Set a record uh, for price per carat at the time when it did come to uh, market. But the fact that it's on what the 10... Uh, 
things were that the richest people in the world were buying in 2018, the fact that it's on that list is not a surprise to you or me, but to our listeners who might be new, this spells out a different way of approaching wealth. Not only can you have gold and silver, but the idea of owning something like a natural fancy colored diamond, this is part and parcel with what we suggest and based on the same set of fundamentals as gold and silver. Yeah, the idea of gold and silver is very easy because it's a very quantifiable market. It's very um, liquid, right? You get the price every day uh, as a commodity. It's a very easy market to understand. Where, But it is a hard asset, and that's why we love it, because when you own gold, there's no counterparty risk. You own silver, there's no counterparty risk. Hard assets like rare whis- whiskey and natural fancy color diamonds are the same thing. They are real, unencumbered assets. The only difference is they might not be as liquid. Now, that said, it's not always all about liquidity. You know, stocks are incredibly liquid, but if a stock is down 40%, it's not so liquid, is it? You're stuck in for the long haul. Um, and that's why they love dividends. It's only you two get, levels of liquidity the one go- where I can dump and take the loss, or the one that says, hey, I better hold on to this and end up holding it for 10, 15 years, and you wasted all that time. I have a client right now trying to find a diamond for basically, uh, you know, a uh, a diamond for under 30000 but he's looking for a two-carat. You know, I remember selling a two-carat fancy yellow for comfortably under 20000 And today you can, and that was within the last five years, and today it is very difficult to do that for under 30000 Canadian. Before you go any further about that, let me guess what the problem is. Let me guess what the situation is. Is this individual purchased yet through no. Guildhall? No. Okay, let me guess what the problem is. Okay. Is this an apples to oranges problem? Um, in some cases, yes. In some ways, yes. Because, How do I know? Because, in, because what happens is when people are looking for diamonds, they, they go to two extremes. Do I get the best that I can possibly get using four Cs? Or do I try to get the largest thing I can get? And what can I push my budget? Oh, they buy the largest right? they can get. With so, the, so there's pushing budget, no right? It's, it. it's like, well, you can live in a 500-square-foot apartment in right downtown Toronto, and it's a jewel box of a, a piece of real estate. Or I can move way, way north and have a two-garage, uh, three-bedroom, three-bathroom place. Is this, is this purchase a, a purpose, purposeful purchase? Is this, yes. Is it a, a getting married? or is yes. it getting yes. uh, Okay, so getting married... They've looked at a bunch of diamonds, both a part of this process. Yes. Man and wife, yeah. wife to be. And so they've come to you saying, I, we've looked at these diamonds we have, but we want what you have, but we want it for 20 grand less or 15 grand less. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you can find stuff less for less. Yes. But it's like, Where we compromise. But, but, so we're talking apples wait, to oranges. Well, it's ap- it, well, as I said to him, I said it's, it's bruised pears. Right. So like the most perfectly pristine Fuji apple. Right. So, you know, it, it is location, 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 right? You could go to a really bad area, part of town, and get everything that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You, but there's always going to be some sacrifices along the way. Sure. But when we've stuck with our quality, natural fancy colored diamonds, we can see that the prices keep rising and that it becomes more difficult to enter the market if the budget is, in this case... 30000 which is not a small budget, but something has to give. So it, it either has to be a lower size, mm-hmm. a smaller size mm-hmm. rather, um, or we're going to start making sacrifices on the actual quality of the diamond. Has this, this is the first purchase for this person, yes. if it is? Yeah. Okay, so they never bought any gold or silver? No. 
Okay, well, I would be talking to this individual and I would be saying, not only do you need to have this natural fancy colored diamond, not only are we not getting to the same page, we have to find a way to get back to that same page, but uh, go and find me what you're looking for, then we'll have a conversation. And what will happen, and I'm sure this has probably already occurred, he or she will go out and they will find two or three and they'll want to say, I found it. I did my job. I went out and found it. And lo and behold, it's the furthest thing from the truth because they've compromised on almost all the four C's and essentially all that ends up looking the same is the size of the diamond, Mm -hmm. which takes you back right to square one, which you said most buyers go out and they choose size over quality. In the colored diamond world, we don't do that, nor should we do that. Would it be great to have both? Yep. But that's for a discerning investor, somebody who wants to spend a chunk of money. And that's fine. But it's not just... We the, can entertain that. It's client, not just but. the chunk of money, too, right? Because someone who wants to put in fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 for whether it's, a, whether it's for jewelry purposes or whether it's to own just for the sake of, of ownership... It should never be, well, we're never going to sell it, so who cares? Well, well, yeah, if you're never going to sell it, it should be something that continues to rise in value. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't be a $30,000 luxury item that, that will never rise. It's the same thing with people talking about um, man-made diamonds, right? Uh, yeah, it, it's true. There are, there are manufactured diamonds out there. There are real Gucci purses and fake Gucci purchases, real Rolex watches and fake Rolex watches. And if you wanted to own one, which one would you own? And if you needed to sell something for money, which one would give you the money? Is it the real Rolex or the fake? It's always the real. So it, there's always an important reason to go with quality and substance over you know, going for the superficial while it's the size that matters. All right, let's stay on that point. Come back in the third third segment. I want to answer a couple more, ask a couple more questions. Hopefully you can answer them for me. These are questions that our people are going to have if they're thinking of buying. What is the money we're making out of this? Well, you know, where does this investment go? What are the potentials of this? Well, I'll tell you in that list we talked about of all the things that the rich are doing, the thing that has the strongest bind of consistency amongst all of those items they all rise in value. None of them drop year over year. None of them have dropped. They've got a rich history of going up in value. That's where I want to be the same page. So let's hope this investor is listening and can get uh, to that particular position. The website is guildhallwealth.com. You can go there, get a free investor kit, get some information, get educated, and get into these markets of gold, silver, and natural fancy colored diamonds. You will be thanking yourself profusely over the coming next decade we will talk about that and much much more when we come back on the real money show you are tuned into global news radio 640 toronto welcome back to the real money show with guildhall wealth management i'm your host darren long and with me today as always jeremy wiseman vice president of guildhall wealth management i also work at guildhall wealth management i'm not sure why i always say it that way other than the fact that we do have to have a host and i take on that responsibility and i happily do it but uh, that's because I love what we're talking about. We were just uh, talking a little bit about natural fancy colored diamonds. In particular, it's great to uh, kind of do uh, um, a little bit of learning about how people treat natural fancy colored diamonds. The one uh, situation we were talking to prior to the break was an individual who's 
thinking about the long term for sure. But this is more of a of a sentimental purchase. It's involved in a in a wedding and engagement, and this is going to certainly down the line going to increase in value, no doubt about it. But it's the difference between am I going to uh, be buying the bruised pears you said or the pristine Fuji apple? And when it comes to buying a natural fancy colored diamond, why not have the best of everything? You know, compromise a little on the side, on the size if you have to. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, we can live in this day and age without a two and a half carat diamond on our finger if it means our budget has to be a little bit less. But at the end of the day, what the most important thing is for me is understanding that that diamond we buy, especially here from Guildhall, it's never going to drop in value. It's only yeah. going to go higher in value. It's true. And Can't it's... say that about the bruised pear, though. <laughs> no. And uh, the... Now, it would be a different story in the white diamond market. Well, this is the exact because, and I've analogy done this, I was thinking about. Because I've done this with, with uh, clients and friends and family when it comes to the white diamonds. Is Let's say you had a $20,000 budget on a white, okay? Are you going to go for a D, okay, which is the clearest, whitest diamond, internally flawless, one carat, let's say. It's obviously going to be, for sake of argument, a brilliant cut that naturally, that round round, round cut. Um, and the premium on that is going to be upwards of 20000 plus, okay? Now, if we drop it to, let's go D, E, F, down to a G, which is the one tranche down, um, it's tough to tell the difference between those, those three, those four colors in terms of the whiteness of it. But now I can go much bigger in the size, and I'm going to go from I, F, to VVS1, VVS2, VS1, VS2, which is called I clean in the business. So now I'm at a point where, okay, I can, I can really increase the size of the diamond. I go down in clarity. I go down a little bit in color. And what do I get at the end of the day? I get something that looks bigger than what most people have, and no one's coming up to me with, with a loop and saying, how clean is that diamond? Because white diamonds, everyone has the white diamond, right? Boring. But in the, in the color diamond world, you're already in a place where you can now turn that luxury item into something that's going to continue to rise in value, which is what we were talking about with the um, the article before about where the rich are putting their money. Right. So with a white diamond, you know, you can make the concessions because no one no one really cares. It, it the the D internally flawless is not necessarily uh, an investment either. So you might as well do as much as you can with that budget. Whereas with the the color diamond, it is all about quality. You want to go after the quality. And the more you go after quality, the more you're going to get a return on your investment. Well, that being said, I think that you have to lay out uh, the the goal of, of, as an investor, the goal of that purchase. And if it's only sentimental, go ahead. Buy the white diamond. Have fun with it. And when you ask and you want to be impressed by listening to a show like ours in 30 years from now, don't be surprised to find out, as everybody does, us too, us included with the white diamonds we might have bought before we were part of Guildhall, that those white diamonds don't really appreciate in value. So if you're viewing it as an investment, focus on the natural fancy colored diamond. That's where the money is being made. That's where we want our clients to be. And uh, if you do have the time to commit to come into the office, what's a half hour of your day uh, take in the grand scheme of things to sit down and hear something that could make you a ton of money. That's what it's all about. I mean, we're here to make money and uh, we'll take that and we'll do it. And that's why we love the natural fancy colored diamond market. Pair it together with gold and silver. The website guildhallwealth.com is there. And on the topic today of economical growth, 
We, we add a small portion to that in the sense that we're discussing what is the cost of economical growth. We talked a little bit about the FOMC minutes and what their opinion is and how they hide through different verbiage uh, the real truth about the economy. But we also mentioned an author we've come to really appreciate over the last short while uh, by the name of Simon Black from a website called SovereignMan.com. And in particular this week, he writes a tremendous amount of information and shares with us no less than three articles that we have today uh, that discuss a little bit about the truth behind real economical growth and at what cost. And uh, Jeremy, in particular, you were excited to discuss this. And I think if we get through this in the next few minutes, uh, this is a tremendous segue into the ownership of gold and silver. Yeah, you know, we, we wanted to, to bring attention to this author, um, Simon Black at Sovereign Man. Dot com. He's written a few articles over the last um, month and a half, and I see sort of the, the dots connected between them. So I thought this would be a great way to present it to our listeners. Um, the first is an article um, from mid, mid-March, and it was just talking about Europe being really weak. But he, in the article, he gives an example of, um, as you were talking about economic growth at what cost, Darren, that he's saying that... Um, 10 years into this monetary experiment of quantitative easing, central banks, um, that, that's been going on since 2008, that it is true that the gross domestic product was about $15 trillion in 2008, and current gross domestic product is about $22 trillion, which is $7 trillion of economic growth. Fantastic, right, Darren? We've got the growth that everyone was looking for. Um, however... Over the same that period, sounds sarcastic, by the way. Well, over the same period, the U.S. national debt increased by ten tri- from ten trillion to twenty-two trillion. Bam! So it took twelve trillion dollars of debt to create seven trillion of economic growth. So this is how things can be distorted, right? You get this example of great growth, but you have to say at what cost. So um, at the end of the day, the U.S. economy is dependent on cheap money, and it, and as we've been talking about the FON. FOMC, it can't even handle a 2% increase um, in interest rates. So if interest rates are the price of money, as uh, Simon Black has mentioned, and when the price is negative, what does that say about the world that we live in, especially in, in Europe where their ne- their interest rates are negative? So better hold something of wealth, long-term insurance like gold and silver, that's for sure. It's this idea of... Well, at what cost and and when does that cost have to be paid? Which brings us to the next article, um, which is a great article. It's definitely going to be in our newsletter this week. It's called Four Ways That Uncle Sam Will Respond to Its $75 Trillion Insolvency. Um, so he is basically saying in this one that um, that the government I- itself acknowledged a $75 trillion insolvency, the Social Security Administration acknowledges that its trust funds will run out of money in 15 years. Um, these are things that you can't ignore, That the fact that uh, the U.S. is $22 trillion plus in debt, and then there's unfunded liabilities, which come to the $75 trillion mark. So he goes through four, four ways that they can get rid of this debt. And this is really interesting. The first one is ignore the problem. Um, obviously, as politicians, they want to kind of uh, keep 
keep their voters and hope that they can pass the buck and the hot potato before, um, before their term is over. Another one, and this is the most interesting, if there's any takeaway, it's on this one, raising taxes. So he looks at the taxes and he says, you know, taxes have been up, they've been down, they've got, in other words, they've had higher taxes, they've had lower taxes, but the average U.S. tax revenue is about 17.7% of gross domestic product, GDP, every year. Year in, year out, regardless of what the actual tax rate was. So it doesn't matter if Bernie Sanders wants to tax the rich. At the end of the day, the government's only going to bring in 17% plus of taxes to GDP. So the taxes is a misnomer, which is a very interesting thing to consider. This is the worst thing that they could consider, which is default. Because the problem with default, of course, is that you're not going to receive your Social Security check, number one. Ouch. The Federal Reserve will go bankrupt. Own gold. Um, which would wipe out uh, the Fed solvency and create an epic currency crisis, as, uh, as, um, as Simon Black says. And finally, foreign creditors like China, if the Fed defaults on, on the Chinese, would create a global financial crisis. So you can see that that default is just not in the cards. What is in the cards is inflation. Um, it's what governments have used for thousands of years, and basically it just means you print, some, you print money, you lower the value of your dollar, you pay back the debts. I owe you a million dollars, Darren. I print. I have a million. I print an extra million. There's two million in the in the in the world. I pay you back. I still keep a million, but the dollar's worth half as much. I'd like a million dollars. That'd be perfectly fine. Absolutely. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Um, so that's definitely the way that they're going to go. Please read this article. Take the time. Sign up for our newsletter and get that article. Um, now, what are the consequences of inflation? That's where his last article comes into play. The last article is called, If Donald Trump is the King of Debt, These Guys Are the King of Inflation. All right, well, let's get to that article when we come back from break. If you want to get into this market, whether it's an e-store purchase, a small start for you, a few bars here and there, a monthly buyer's program, if you want to use other people's money, and I know that uh, there is lots of choice here, but uh, that is what we call allocated financing. Or if you just want to buy some metal and store it in the depository, plain and simple, we can help you with that, walk you through it a step by step. And if you want to have a natural fancy colored diamond, get your butt down here to the office, make that appointment, get in here, set it up with Jeremy, myself, Paul, anybody in the office will be happy to take the appointment and learn more about this because this is one way you can not only protect your wealth, but grow it. And if that uncertainty is going to play itself out in these world markets, then I can think of no better piece of insurance to have for your wealth than to have gold, silver, and a natural fancy colored diamond. Prices of gold and silver are going higher, and we are going to talk more about Simon Black's article in Inflation when we come back in the fourth segment. You are listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on the Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back to The Real Money Show, and thank you for staying tuned, and a big congratulations to those who are new to the market and thinking of getting in and did so this past week. We're happy to have you aboard. It was a busy week for metals and for natural fancy colored diamonds. The amount of information going out to you uh, is up to you, but go over to that website, guildhallwealth.com, and as Jeremy said in the last segment, get yourself onto the newsletter. 
that is a free newsletter that we send out to you, no obligation. And uh, we will, again, hold your hand every step of the way during this process. And can I just say one thing I really like about our newsletter? What's that? We do not put out heavy conspiracy uh, articles on boy, oh boy. Uh, because I do see on these silver sites and, and whatnot, and you and I were having this discussion this week about, you know, it can get kind of annoying you, you, that, that, you know, the mainstream media has all these salacious things and then you go to the silver mar- market and you hear these conspiracy theories and things can get kind of weird. Whereas with our newsletter, we're really bringing a curated uh few articles every week where we're trying to find some good solid information that um, that you can lean on to kind of get a good perspective of what's happening in the market so we're not trying to scare people it's not necessarily doom and gloom because there's opportunity here it's just about seeing things for as as they really are well you know where I stand on the issue of inflation and before we went to break we promised we'd stick with the Uh, Final couple of points from Simon Black of SovereignMan.com. And that has been an ongoing theme that we have discussed. It contributes on an almost daily basis to my frustration about where we stand economically and the lies that get touted time and time again about the uh, pseudo growth happening in the uh, economical picture globally and inflation plays a large role in that folks understand that that is the silent killer of wealth our listeners get it though Darren I mean, they do the I know that we we're do speaking, have smart listeners the people they, that we're speaking to they're seeing the signs written on the wall the way the way we do which is you know with how high can the stock market go? How much can the real estate market go? They're seeing what's happened in Vancouver, right? So uh, it's now in the backyard. You can see that the market could drop and people are trying to protect themselves and the options are quite limited and owning a hard asset like like precious metals become quite easy. It, it's very logical. It's a very rational thing to do. Um, but getting back to Simon Black. So we talked about in the last segment this idea that the economic growth of um, $7 trillion in economic growth since 2008 um, actually cost $12 trillion to create. So you got $7 trillion of growth, but it costs $7 trillion. Um, so what do you do with all of this new money that's been created and all the debt that's been created, which is the case? You know, there's $22 trillion owing in the states, but they have unfunded liability, which puts it out to $75 trillion. So how are they going to get rid of that? Well, Simon Black's talking, mentioned some ways that they could do that. Default would be one. They're certainly not an option they want to take. Um, do nothing about it, which we're kind of seeing the Fed is doing that. And that doesn't solve anything either. But time and time again, for thousands of years, governments have chose inflation to do that. So what does that mean? Just print more money. Make it, make it worth less. And that's what we're talking about here. If your currency is worth less, you need something that's going to rebate you that, that cost. Um, his final article, uh, Simon Black from SovereignMan.com, is called, If Donald Trump is the King of Debt, These Guys Were the King of Inflation. And he gives this great example. Maximilian Byrne had saved up 100,000 German marks for what should have been a modest but comfortable retirement. But in 1923, he withdrew every last cent and spent it all on one purchase, a subway ticket. He rode around the city one last time before returning home and locking himself in his home, where he died. He didn't kill himself. He starved to death simply because he could no longer afford food. A single egg at the market would cost millions of marks, more than Maximilian Byrne had saved for his entire life. 
Yes, that's one example. We know we all know the hyperinflation in, in Weimar, Germany. Uh, we do have modern-day examples, one being Zimbabwe, the other being Venezuela. And he uses a couple examples there. He said um, the first time he went to Venezuela, the exchange rate was four bolivars to the U.S. dollar. The next time it was hundreds, then thousands, then tens of thousands of bolivars to just one dollar. He goes on to mention... Um, a quote from John Maynard Keynes. This is the gentleman who, who is quoted as saying gold is a barbarous relic, and he was, of which he was misquoted talking about the gold standard. Um, he says, by continuing the process of inflation, governments can confiscate secretly and unobserved an important part of the wealth of their citizens. So if you're not paying attention, and you, you hope you don't get to a place where Venezuela is where there's hyperinflation, or in Argentina where there's been in hyperinflation, but it's the it's the quiet process. It's the the government saying it's two percent a year when you look around and your expenses are higher than that, and you say, "Well, wait a minute, how do I get my money back from all of this?" And that's where gold and silver come into play because they do hedge against inflation because they're of limited supply. And unlike unlike fiat currency, where you can print as much as you want, and you're depending you're depending on the discipline of those central bankers to not take the easy route out every time. And what's the easy route? Print money. Print Inflate. money. Of course. So how do you protect yourself? You become your own central bank and you own gold and silver as an insurance policy. And you don't wait until Venezuela happens to, to your country or you don't wait until inflation really rears its ugly head like it did in the States in, 19, in the 70s. We hope it doesn't. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily, we're not trying to fear monger that Venezuela is going to happen here, but you have to admit that the debts are quite high, that they're going to be paid somehow. Well, let's face Ta it. Taxes rising, inflation rising, and you need to hedge. And you just, you know, when did Noah build the ark? Before the rain? Of course. And you can't buy insurance after the fire. So it's important to have that now. And what a cheap time to get into the physical gold and silver market. And better to be two months, two years early, as Paul always says, than to be two days late. That's the fact. And uh, to get into that gold and silver market couldn't be easier. Just go over to the website, guildhallwealth.com. Call us if you like. Google us. You can listen to this podcast, The Real Money Show, anytime uh, you want outside of the listening hours that you're currently in. And hopefully when you connect, what you'll get are some A, answers to the questions you have about your wealth, and B, an opportunity to sit down and really examine where gold and silver can fit into your portfolio. Uh, analysts will say, they'll tell you, about 10 to 20% of your portfolio should have some form of hard asset in it. Why not make it the one that has stood the test of time? That's fund fundamentally uh, precious metals, it's gold, it's silver, and thousands of years have told us that. And just think no further, folks, than what a dollar does now versus what it did 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. That is inflation at work right before your eyes, and no longer will you ever be likely to have a moment where you wake up and say, guess what? That dollar goes further today than it did yesterday. It just doesn't happen. I wish it did, but you need a way to protect yourself. However, if I look back historically, I can prove factually that silver and gold have protected my wealth. They have protected my purchasing power. And if I was my own central bank, uh, then I would have stood that test of time alongside the loss of value that my currency, my paper, that is backed only by my confidence 
did not do for me. So go over to guildhallwealth.com, get yourself into that particular market. I want to remind you, we also can put gold and silver for you into an RSP of any type you like, as well as TFSAs. This is the time of year you're getting your tax returns back. You're thinking about what should I do with that little bit of money? Be wise, be smart. This year, get some insurance, added insurance. Add some gold and silver to your portfolio. If you're already in the market and you want to cost average a little, as Jeremy said, this is a value proposition. You want to buy when the market's low, that's what gold and silver are right now. So this is a good time to be adding to your holdings and uh, bulking up those or stacking, as some of you might have heard. And you know what's been fantastic? I don't, I don't know if you've been experiencing this too, but we've seen over the years the trend, Darren, of people wanting the physical product and knowing that it's in their hand. But I'm seeing that it's that's that's even more the case this year than I've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where people look at the, they're looking at this investment. They're looking at the details, some of the costs involved, uh, things like allocation fee, which is only $2 a bar. Um, Obviously, the product has to be stored. And they're looking at that versus the alternative, which is paper markets, pool accounts, um, certificates, ETFs. And they say, I know those are, are cheaper, but I'm not getting what I need and I'm not getting what I want. I want to know that this product's mine. So I, I just want to say congratulations again to those who are participating in the RSPs and for those that are uh, demanding that they get their physical product and that if they can't hold it, they know they don't own it. Make so sure you get into there. that RSP because right now for a limited time, we are still giving one gram of gold for every 5,000 U.S. invested up to a maximum of 10 grams. And it's our way of saying thank you for coming aboard. And we're happy to do that for you. But you have to get into that market, get that type of account open. It's the one account we offer that with. And uh, a couple of pieces before we go. One Silver demand up 4% in 2018, says the Silver Institute. It's fueled specifically by, they say, soaring investment demand. How much longer, and I want you to think about this as your little bit of homework for the week, how much longer can these types of headlines where it is backed by factual data and not some pie-in-the-sky, baloney, malarkey set of words, how much longer can this happen before that price starts to go substantially higher? I don't want to be sitting around waiting and miss that boat. I want to be in that market ready and prepared and have insurance for my wealth. And the second thing I want to say is go to our website, product of the week, the 10-ounce silver coin, Canadian Maple Leaf 10-ounce silver coin. It is a beautiful product, comes sealed in a a plastic container or cover, if you will, that's the same shape as the coin. You can go over to the website, guildhallpreciousmetals.com, and view it there and ask for your free investment package. Do yourself a favor after listening to the show. You've been smart enough to tune in. Uh, this is the time to make changes and make it happen for yourself and your family. Protect your wealth and make some money moving forward. That's what we're here to do. It is called The Real Money Show. We want to thank you for listening. We hope that you have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you and talking with you again in one week's time. Thank you for listening. You've been tuned in to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.